Hello, I'm Brian Stahl, Global Treasury Product Manager for Digital and Emerging Receivables at Bank of America, and you're listening to the Treasury Insights podcast series. As consumer and business expectations continue to evolve globally, it is critical to tailor Treasury solutions to align with the unique needs of clients in each regional market. In this podcast, we'll discuss the transforming landscape of digital payment collection and bill presentment services across the globe along with how these trends may progress in the future. I'm delighted to be joined by Bruno Campos, Treasury Product Manager for Latin America, and Shrey Jamshed from Global Payments at Bank of America. Bruno, let's start with you. What is your perspective on the evolution of global digital collections over the past few years, specific to Latin America? Hi, Brian. I think it's important to start off by mentioning that the usage of Cisco Cash has been predominant in the Latin America region, However, most recently, there has been a shift in consumer behavior due to multiple reasons. The Brazil Real-Time Payments Clearing System, which is also known as PIX, is probably the best example to highlight. This is a relatively new payment system, which was created by the Central Bank of Brazil in November of 2020, and it supports QR code technology as well as alias-based payments, which is an alternative representation of a bank account and it makes a digital payment as simple as opening your mobile app and typing the phone number or email address of the beneficiary. In the person-to-person space, the adoption has been extraordinary, with over 140 million aliases registered at the central bank for individuals and almost 13 million aliases registered for companies, enabling them to receive funds either by only providing the phone number or email address or even a tax ID to the payers. To give you an idea of what this represents in terms of number of transactions, during the month of August of 2023, there were over 3 billion transactions processed through the real-time payment system in Brazil, only throughout the month of August. So very successful in the country. I think that the success is primarily driven by three reasons. First, the strong promotion from the central bank. Second, the ease of use with a simplified client experience. And third, the fact that it has no cost for individuals. So now that PIX is emerging as the preferred payment method from a consumer standpoint, we are now seeing businesses, including utility companies and even tax authorities, which are embedding QR codes on their respective invoices to collect funds from their customers. This also brings a lot of benefits to companies because it allows them to have a straight-through reconciliation process. It's not only about receiving a real-time payment at any point in time, but also receiving the data that comes alongside that payment. All of that data that is embedded in a QR code, such as which invoices are being paid, any discounts were applied, any interest or fines have been applied to my invoice. So really a solution that is holistic for corporations as well to collect funds. The success of PIX has been so significant that it's driving other countries across the region to adopt similar solutions, such as the case with Colombia, which is currently working on similar real-time payment system. And also in Mexico, we are seeing the emergence of two solutions, one of them called CODI, which is a digital collection solution also leveraging QR codes, and DEMO, which is going to be the alias-based payment solution in Mexico. Now, having said that, what about you, Brian? What trends have you seen in digital payment collection and bill presentment services globally? Well, Bruno, you pointed out an important distinction between consumer-to-business and business-to-business payments, and that's even more distinct in more mature markets like North America. 
in the consumer space, electronic bill presentment and payment, or EBPP as it's called, and bill pay aggregators have been around for more than two decades. It's all about providing consumers ease of access and payment choice, including card, local bank transfers like ACH, digital wallets, and other alternative payment methods. In Asia, for example, the use of credit card is not as widely adopted as it is here in the U.S. Therefore, the built payment solution must include those alternative payment methods unique to that market. Digital payment methods have become the norm for consumers, especially amongst younger demographics. However, for B2B payment collection, there's renewed innovation to provide digital solution that depends on the size and sophistication of the seller and their buyers. From the supplier's perspective, it's really how do I ensure that I not only receive payment, but also the remittance data needed to reconcile to my receivables, regardless of the payment method. It's one of the primary reasons some treasurers still prefer antiquated solutions like Lockbox. Cash reconciliation and invoice matching tools help solve this problem today, but the next-gen digital solutions aim to make this a straight-through, end-to-end network offering buyers virtual access to invoices, digital payment options, and integration to the supplier's accounting software for full auto-reconciliation to their open AR. Another shift in payment trends for both businesses and their customers is the maturity of real-time payments, or RTP. One application of RTP for digital collections is request for pay. This allows businesses to send bill notifications directly to their customers via their consumer banking app, and I think we're just in the infancy of this payment channel in the U.S. and Canada. Trey, can you elaborate a little bit more on the history and adoption of real-time payments and open banking in Europe from a digital collections perspective? Yeah, absolutely, Brian. The evolution of open banking is actually quite an interesting and ongoing story and actually goes back to the 80s if you want to read about a rather innovative post office in Germany. But we'll leave that for another podcast. If we focus on regulatory-driven open banking specifically, we have PSD1 in 2007, which looked to empower users. We've been living through PSD2 since 2018, and that really opened up the connection between banks and then third parties further. The UK is a great place if you want to look at all this in action. There you've got the CMA9, which are the main nine banks, which are required to expose their APIs so that their customers can transport their data from one bank to any other bank if they're choosing. The regulation was really intending to increase competition and allow other banks and fintechs to compete. To me, it's really a great example of regulation empowering a innovative atmosphere. Just by creating a requirement to let individuals own and move their own data, we saw the emergence of a very vibrant neobank ecosystem. There was all these new authentication and security-focused fintechs, but very strong API standards over there, and naturally a whole host of new fintechs coming out of the UK across payments and personal finance, for example. That was all the data movement and API pieces. In parallel, you've also got a very effective real-time payment network over there with faster payments. It's really paired with open banking. We saw the emergence of some really cool solutions out of the UK spreading globally, like Pay by Bank. Pay by Bank specifically is very fascinating from a collections perspective. It took all of that regulatory change and enabled clients to let their customers trigger transaction using those same real-time payment rails from their own bank account using a QR code or any kind of payment link. The end result really is if you have your own banking app, 
to authenticate and pay on your phone, you're actually signed up by default, which is what makes it quite neat. And you really have a product that has critical mass on day one, which is very interesting. Processing that same solution pop up in more and more markets as a digital collection payment method across the world. And it's not just in PSD2 markets. I'm seeing a lot of it in more kind of unregulated spaces across the board. But pay by bank on collections specifically, from a client's perspective, it creates a user experience around the boring old account-to-account bank transfer, where the client is the beneficiary. And in this case, they also have all the end-to-end information on hand from the start so that they can reconcile all of their connections. Clients also need to reverse these from time to time. So when you have this end-to-end information, you can make use cases like refunds quite streamlined and, in fact, a lot better than some of the other existing solutions out in the market. Trey, that's fantastic stuff. I think pay-by-bank has tremendous application, not only in Europe, but in other countries, as you pointed out, including the U.S. Bruno, let's come back to you. As the world of digital collection services continues to change, what should treasury teams be thinking about to stay ahead of these trends? Very interesting question, Brian. I think treasury teams should review the best collection alternatives based on the profile of their customers. For example, a question to be asked is, are we collecting primarily from consumers or from companies? In the consumer-to-business space, it's extremely important to take into consideration how your consumer prefers to pay you and ensure that this preferable collection option is available. In the business-to-business space, there may be opportunities to move to a digital collection option to streamline your receivables reconciliation, automate manual processes, or even minimize operational costs. Now, it's also very important to review if you're prepared from a technology standpoint, from an infrastructure standpoint, to benefit from all of these new digital collection services. For example, your internal systems, are they enabled to handle the latest integration technologies, such as APIs. This is definitely something that treasury teams should be reviewing with their technology departments to make sure that they can make the most out of these new digital collection services. Great advice. Thanks, Bruno. My final question for both of you. Shrey, I'll start with you. From your perspective, how do you see global digital collections evolving over the coming years? I think we're moving towards an environment where real-time is becoming the norm, as you just said. And we'll also have a need for infrastructure that can handle all of that, as Bruno had said earlier. So this goes to digital collections for payments, security, authentication, infrastructure, enable payment, and really everything in between. Because of this, the separation between businesses, consumers, banks, fintechs, and all the other stakeholders, in my opinion, will continue to shrink. So that also means that the partnership opportunities will continue to grow. Pay by bank as a solution is a great example of this in terms of the collaboration we had between ourselves and our fintech partner to deliver quality results for our clients. Finally, on my earlier point about embracing regulatory change, we're also already seeing a lot of discussion around PSD3 in Europe. There's a lot of interesting work going on around open banking enhancements in countries like Australia. I think it's important to embrace this upcoming regulatory change and apply the learnings to products outside regulatory-driven markets to ensure we're continuing to deliver world-leading solutions for our clients. I agree with Trey, and I would add that we need to take into consideration that new generations such as Generation Z and Generation Alpha, they are basically born in the digital world, and the expectation as these new generations, they prepare to come into the workplace in the next decade or so, that we will continue to see an acceleration in adoption of digital experiences, new payments, subscription-based payments, 
insurance payments. These are all good examples of where we should continue to see a trend in adoption of digital solutions in the next few years. Those are some excellent insights, guys. I think it's important for our clients to realize there's no one size fits all and the market's going to dictate what solutions are needed within each region and each country. However, there are some principles that will hold true globally. Customers want ease of access and payment options, while businesses will demand faster, cheaper payments with straight through processing and full auto reconciliation to their receivables. Bruno, Shrey, thanks for lending your expertise on an important topic for our clients. This has been a great discussion on the changing landscape of global digital payment collection and bill presentment services. I'm Brian Stahl. Thank you for listening to Bank of America's Treasury Insights podcast series. Bank of America is the marketing name used by certain global banking and global market businesses of Bank of America Corporation, lending other commercial banking activities and trading in certain financial instruments are performed globally by banking affiliates of Bank of America Corporation, including Bank of America NA member FDIC. Copyright 2023, Bank of America Corporation. All rights reserved.